podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and it's time for another preview pod. Grant, uh, before we jump into everything, how's your day going, my friend? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, I've got some steak that I'm prepping and some baked potatoes in the oven. So geared up for a nice dinner tonight. Um, How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing good. Just wrapped up work. I'm actually house and dog sitting for the parents here in Topeka, so I've been taking care of old Pep and Jess much better than uh, the demon dogs I was taking care of over at my cousin's when I had uh, Brian Smoller on for Blitz Week. These two dogs are good dogs. They're well-behaved. They're very loving, and they're not terrorists like uh, my cousin's dogs were. Yeah, you were having a hard time with those dogs, but you made it out alive. I I did. So before we jump into it, uh, Beer the Pod, um, are you drinking on anything? Because I have the Imperial Pumpkin Ale Pumpkin from Southern Tier uh, to try to You know, I realized I I did actually have that that beer, but the coffee one. I had that like last year. I just completely forgot. I was going through old photos in my phone and I had a picture of it. So um, I'm not drinking. I do have a bunch of pumpkin beer. I have that nitro of the same pumpkin um, in my fridge right now, but uh, I might have to, <laughs> I might have to get ruled out for COVID again uh, <laughs> because there's been some exposures. So I don't know if I should be drinking beer. I want to though. Well, you're responsible, and I appreciate it. I hope you come back two for two on negative COVID tests. Um, you need to stop getting exposed, man. Um, I agree. I would like that, but you know, I guess it is a pandemic, so it is a I'm pandemic. Cut myself some slack. <laughs> it is a pandemic. So the beer, the pod, and the pandemic are brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is hashtag real back. Uh, shout out to Mahomes and the boys. What a fun win that was. Did not cover the spread, but if you had the money line wager, it did play. Um, you might not be at the game this year, but you can get in on all the action over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options than ever to wager. Uh, that would have been a nightmare game to have the money line on with but could have having to kick three times. Uh, but, I mean, at least at least you didn't have, like, what? It was, like, Chiefs by nine? Was that yeah. eight, eight and a half? Wolf City. But, hey, if, if you had the money line, it would, it would have came out. So, uh, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering, uh, getting wins, uh, division championship futures. Head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I saw they uh, updated the NFL MVP odds. Lamar Jackson now is in front of our uh, bud, Pat Mahomes. So, 
Uh, you know, if, if you want four to one odds on Mahomes, now now's the time to get it because after he waxes that ass on Monday, he's going to get. I hope to God. I, I hope that they embarrass the Ravens. I'm so sick of hearing about them. I am too. And know what I'm sick of hearing is all these folks who don't want to play college football. Um, but before we get into that, uh, speaking of someone who doesn't want to play, and again, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't, I don't know what's going on with the young man. But K-State had its first uh, transfer of the 2020 recruiting class. Demarcus Hayes, who was a linebacker, um, and I think he was the one that we all – I think everyone was all in on Jay Harris. I think folks were cautious about uh, Mr. Hayes, Demarcus Hayes. But he transferred out. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, coupled with kind of the craziness that went on with the 2019 class um, and everything we saw at the end of Bill Snyder's reign, are you concerned to see a 2020 guy uh, leaving the program, you know, just, just you know, not even a month into his true freshman season? Um, well, I'm an idiot, and I initially thought it was Jay Harris. Um, I was confusing the two, so I was – a little bit in meltdown mode until you corrected me off pod. But um, I mean, I'm a little worried about like our young linebacker depth. Um, I know that we have, I think three high school linebackers committed at this time, but you know, that's, he was already within the program and he would have had a a leg up on those guys and would have been able to transition into that position better than, you know, three high school guys at the time or at the moment. But uh, he had some off-field trouble, and it just it doesn't sound like it was really happening for him. So it is what it is. I'm going to steal a catchphrase of yours and just say that, you know, we'll never really know whether or not this is going to affect us that much anyway. So I feel pretty good about just kind of moving on. Yeah, obviously we hope the kid catches on in school and thrives. And uh, and all for honestly, anytime a kid leaves, I, I hope it's a success story. And we all sit back and think, "Damn, I wish he would have stayed." Um, you know, nine times out of ten, that isn't the story. But I will be rooting for this kid. Um, let's just hop into Coach Kleiman's press conference. And again, his, his demeanor before we get into it. I mean, the guy just looks emotionally <laughs> exhausted. And yeah. Uh, with, some, with the reports, there's some random dude out of Oklahoma who works for a TV station saying that uh, K-State might not be able to play. He, like, straight up said that, hey, there's a – I don't know where it is in the outline, but he said there's a position group this week that's going to be, you know, coming down to Friday whether or not we're going to get to play. I mean, for a guy that truly invests his heart and soul into a team, I can't imagine how tough this football season is going to be on him. Yeah, it's just got to suck every day being a coach right now um like the uncertainty especially a head coach the uncertainty of covid um i mean it's got to be terrible especially coming off uh kind of a embarrassing and tough loss but um getting news like every pretty much every day you know the anxiety of of wondering whether or not well are we going to test positive are we going to be able to even play this weekend's got to be really taking a toll on him and clearly you know as we've seen after meeting him in person, he lives and breathes running a program and coaching. And, yeah, it's got to be tough. I can't imagine. 
Yeah, so uh, let's get into it. Uh, he said last week they were able to get a lot of guys back again. We, we've mentioned he said it on his teleconference yesterday, but they did, did lose a lot of guys this week to positive tests and tracing. Um, he said last week they used it almost as an extension of fall camp, uh, doing a lot of good on good, which is one versus ones, and working on their own scheme and system, trying to make up for lost time with preseason practice and so many guys being out for tracing with the virus. My question to you is, do you like him investing that week all in on uh, the scheme and one-on-one -on -one and all that type of stuff versus doing two weeks to prep for Oklahoma? Um, after Arkansas State, yes. And, you know, I know he's not going to admit this, but you probably – not that he's going to basically <laughs> chalk Oklahoma up to a loss, but I think it kind of – I think – it really speaks volumes for just like how difficult the off season was for our prep and how behind we truly are for him to say, wow, we have two weeks off to prepare for our toughest opponent this season. Um, if we, you know, if we could beat Oklahoma, what a fucking statement that would be. Um, but for him to take an entire week to be like, all right, we're going to use some of this time to get some of our boys back up to speed. Just, just at baseline um, just kind of goes to show how shitty the off season has been for the program and for programs across the country to feel like, wow, we really are still that behind and, and we're already a week into the program. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm fine with it. And even here's my thing, even if uh, you wouldn't have lost to Arkansas state, I, I think that's, uh, when he had his press availability last week when he talked about not trying to do shortcuts, he's here for the long haul. He doesn't want to get away from culture and the identity and the overall game plan. I think it makes sense to take some of these extra bye weeks and just work on scheme, work on installment, work on uh, K-State and not necessarily worry about the next game. I know that contradicts some of what I've said on the pod about how, no, you don't mail it in. You don't treat this as like a full year preseason or anything like that. But I do think that you have to split the difference and still build that program continuity because he also mentioned that wasn't just practices they missed. They missed all the meetings and all that culture building opportunity. So I think you know, taking these extra bye weeks throughout the year to continue to focus on K-State and leave game week to be game week, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to split the difference, but at the end of the day, I think it's the right call. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more towards it's a wash. Let's just get everybody – let's use this year's experience um, in a way – I mean, I'm – I don't want to like throw the entire season in the trash, obviously, because that could be more damaging than, you know, than if we did use it as like a preparation season or kind of like a, just a practice season, like you mentioned, but the, now that K-State's on in the firing line of COVID, like it seems like we may not even play against Oklahoma, which is something we'll touch on later. It's like, God, what, we are going to have to be doing this, like, every week. And so many games have already been canceled. It's just like, what is the point? It, it's kind of – I've lost my steam a little bit. Um, and maybe you can get, get it back for me. But yeah, it's I'm, just I'm like – it's, it's a fucking shit show. It, it is. And I, I'm not I, – I try my best not to tell folks – 
how to feel. And I, I fail at that all the time. I mean, just go to my Twitter timeline and listen to this podcast. <laughs> it, it's not something I like doing, but I, I find myself being a hypocrite. Um, but I, I, I think if, if you're going to take that stance, which is fine, I think you, you get dangerously close to losing out on what makes college athletics special and magical uh, because it is uh, these folks are going out representing a school and a community. And it's not, you know, professional athletes where you might have a guy who's there for 15 years. You get these young men and women for just a fraction of their life, um, such a transformative part of their lives. And you think back to your life at that time. And if you're just saying, Oh, what's the point? What does it matter? I mean, you could then turn around and say that for every single college athletic season in the history of the world if you want to get meta about things of what matters what doesn't matter there's never been a sporting event that truly mattered uh you know so I I guess I might be grasping at straws because if I acknowledge and say oh this season doesn't matter what's going to stop me from saying okay next season doesn't matter no seasons matter and being a fanatic and being this you know sports guy like I enjoy it so much. I don't want to allow doubt to creep into my head whether or not I should continue being a sports fan. So that's how I took it. Um, I think that's fair. Maybe um, it's not that deep, but that, I mean, everything I think is deep. Like I, I, I have, I have a lot of trouble staying on the surface level. So that's where my head's at. I think the best, the best way for me to put it, I guess, from my perspective is that it's just harder. It's easier to disassociate this season. Um, than it has been in the past but you know come Saturday every game I'm gonna be glued to the TV and I'm gonna be super emotional and I there in the build-up to the season you know the excitement level for me was pretty low I mean pretty tame but come Saturday when you know watching Arkansas State I was as passionate as I usually would be so I guess it's just it's it's just different it's a wavering roller coaster like that everything else of the the pandemic, everything else that's been in the pandemic has been, it's been up and down, but um, yeah, it's just different. It's different, but yeah, it is unfair. You you raise a good point. It's unfair to, to the players to kind of delegitimize their season when they, you may only have them for this little blip of, of their career. So it's a good point. Yeah, so uh, we'll keep moving on. They shifted to prepping for OU starting on Sunday. Talked about how it's a tremendous challenge. Uh, had a lot of praise for Lincoln Riley. Uh, said he hoped to get more guys back uh, every day, but you never know who you're going to have again. That just stays with the theme of this show so far of, like, any given day, you, you have no fucking idea who's going to be out there for practice, let alone – who might be playing on Saturday. And it just, again, makes it so difficult for the players and coaches. Yeah, I mean, that's why that's why uh, Chris Kleiman looks like a ghost of himself. I mean, it's just he's got to be stressed and annoyed to no end. Yeah, and a, a journalist asked, you know, how anxious are you to get to Friday? And he just calmly goes, Every day is full of anxiety with COVID concerns. He goes, and then that's when he said it wasn't until Friday at 5 p.m. that they knew they'd be able to play. They were one player at one position away from not being able to play last week. And he said this week it's another position. They're very close to being at that threshold. Uh, and that the team has to find a way to get past the test on Friday. And 
uh, Wednesday and Friday. So again, I don't want to be too critical of journalists who ask stupid questions, but the reason I include this is of course it's not just one day and of course there's anxiety and of course there's all this stuff. I don't, I, I guess I'm confused why the same journalist has to ask the same question at every press conference. I know. I mean, you could say that for so many questions too. Um, like, I just feel like mo- there's so many bad journalists. I mean, I, that's kind of what I boil it down to. There's, there's a handful of good journalists that are able to, uh, you know, keep things fresh, but it's like, how many times did we say the same shit about Chris Kleiman when he came into the program? And it's like, literally every week it felt like someone was asking some sort of question about uh, the transition from FCS to FBS or filling a legend's shoes. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, move on. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a unique scenario. Like every press conference should be like, what is something unique that I can ask that no one else is going to ask? Like that should be your, your goal going in. And I'm not a journalist and I'm sure it's like, you know, you got your, you've got your uh, stories that you have to fill, but yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's fucking boring. It's the same guy. It's like the first or second question you ask every single time. It's yeah. We'll, we'll just keep moving on. Um, And the same guy asks, of course, ask Chris Kleiman about point spreads. And Chris Kleiman says he doesn't pay attention to point spreads. The point spread makes sense. Uh, No, I don't. But again, what is he going to say? I, granted, we did see on Saturday Boston College do a tweet after they won, acknowledging that they were yeah. like ten point dogs. But, <laughs> I love that. But, but he's not going to acknowledge it and say, "Yes, I I know we're twenty eight point underdogs, and it pisses me off because it probably does." And I and he probably does know because he's the same guy who knows exactly what preseason magazines say about him, and he loves to prove people wrong and hold grudges. But, but again, why, I, I guess, did, did you really expect him to be like, yeah, man, I, I have a subscription to Vegas Insider. I know exactly why we're 28-point underdogs. Like, to play devil's advocate, part of me kind of believes him because it's like he's so hyper-focused on the preparation and being a coach that it's like they, they've done nothing. They know who fucking Oklahoma is. They're no, they know – this is the best team. This is a top five team in the country and they don't need some point spread bullshit to tell them that like they've been scouting them and watching them, you know, for the past several weeks. So, um, but I'm sure he knows. <laughs> uh, the, the next piece he said, Skyler didn't do anything except for rehab last week. I think again, it proves how banged up he truly was uh, in that Arkansas State game. So he's back practicing this week, should be at full health on Saturday. Do you have any concerns uh, when you hear that? Um, definitely. Um, but this is like the story. That's college football, and that's K-State quarterbacks in a nutshell. Um, it's a little early in the season for us to be giving entire weeks of rest to our quarterback, but I mean, if he was truly banged up, that's what I would want him to do anyways. Um, it doesn't, I mean, he was able to compete until, you know, the end of the game bar, what those three plays that he was not in. So it's probably not that bad. And if it, if it was bad, they wouldn't have put him back in the game. So um, I hope it just got him up to speed. It doesn't really bother me though, in terms of like game prep for Oklahoma. Yep. The next thing he said is that, you know, 
ever since fall camp started, they've been having to move guys from, you know, running back, wide receiver, DBs all across the field, uh, just making guys learn multiple positions. When I hear that, I think back to just like middle school football and high school football. And again, it, it sucks the situation we're in, but you do have to think that for, you know, some of those guys like DJ renders a guy who was playing special teams, defense and wide receiver last week, it has to be kind of like a throwback to when the game literally was just you and your buddies out in the backyard playing, you know, both ways. Um, it sucks that it's having to happen, but again, it probably is, is probably fun for some of those yeah. guys to, you know, start playing defense or play both sides of the ball again. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, there's got to be, well, you could look at both sides of this. There's got to be some benefit to it. I mean, being able to, um, at the college level with college coaches instructing you, seeing the game from different positions, um, but at the same time, it does kind of, detract from your position um, and, you know, delay your progress as like, let's say a defensive back, you want to be working out as a defensive back so you can progress as a defensive back. But um, it's just a weird year. We're going to see. Hopefully it's the other side and more beneficial than uh, less. We'll end on uh, two, two notes on uh, true freshmen. So he was asked specifically about true freshmen who might be getting looks this week. He specifically mentioned Keon Mosey and T. Denson. Um, it's exciting to hear those two guys, two big-time athletes. So, of course, they would thrive under this uh, current atmosphere we're in. How excited would you be to see some uh, Keon Mosey either in the slaughter at running back next week and a little bit of T. Denson out there going up against the best wide receivers in the conference? I would love to see that. Uh, Keon Mosey and – you know, Vaughn on the field at the same time excites me. Um, just two speedy guys that um, offer a lot of – a big change of pace that from what, you know, we have at the number one spot. But T. Denson is like my number one freshman guy. Uh, well, coming into the season in that class, I was really, really excited about T. Denson. So I hope he gets onto the field, and I hope he doesn't get absolutely murdered by Oklahoma. So – yeah, I, I, that could be bad. Also, I, I think I think hopefully they all are going to have short memories. The final uh, thing I'll mention is uh, he was asked if it's tempting to sneak in a talented true freshman like Will Howard into the game uh, specifically. But then you know, Coach Kleiman, being the media wizard he is, he turned around and said it's not just Will Howard. We saw it with Deuce Vaughn, and Deuce Vaughn has the maturity and he he's been able to get more practice reps yada 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 and then he mentioned that will howard needs more practice i mean needs to make the most of the practice time especially since last week he got to practice with the ones and twos uh splitting time with nick oss and skyler was out so i thought that was a nice little uh you know hey i hope will howard's listening i think he was trying to speak to will howard through the media the way he answered that question yeah, um, it could be. Um, or maybe I'm reading I, too much into it like I always am. Well, that's what we all love about you. But um, I don't know. I mean, I don't expect to see that much Will Howard. But um, if we do, it will be exciting. It will be exciting, and it will cause for a lot of fun on Twitter and message boards. So that's all we have from Coach Kleiman. It's time to get into our game primers. And this year, our game's – 
Primers are sponsored by Manscaped.com. Nothing gets me primed for sex like having a well-manicured bush. And I get that with the Lawnmower 3.0. It's an electric trimmer designed to give me a confidence boost through body image. There's ceramic blade and skin-safe technology designed to reduce Nick's tugs on your fellas down low. Notice how they said reduced. Yo, that's true. It is not a guaranteed. I, I'm going to say this, though. I'm not going to – like, I have no legal way to make a guarantee, but I have used it multiple times, have never had any nicks. It's been even more smooth than the lawnmower 2.0. So. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've pretty much actively tried, and it, it hasn't done anything. But how do you think that they tested that? Like, do you think that they went through, like, a series of – students grad students that they paid 20 bucks to yeah just absolutely mutilate their balls dick and balls 100 yeah, percent. well the, uh, until they got it just right yes i i 100 believe that happened um also on their website want to give a shout out to the crop preserver it's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer that will help you tame summer swamp ass even in the fall it has natural hydrators and antioxidants also, the Crop Reviver, it's like a testy toner, like cologne for your balls. It smells great. Also, the boxer briefs. Folks, get the boxer Incredible. briefs. Uh, if, you 20, if you get anything, get the damn briefs. They're, they're great. They're amazing. Yeah, they, they really are the best. I'm going to buy some more for myself as a gift to myself for Christmas. Uh, 20% off and free shipping when you use the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use uh, the promo code armchair. It's time uh, to grab – or it's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that trunk. I love it. So got two great primers for you. Uh, the exact same dudes that did the primers for the KSA Oklahoma game last year. So OU Primer is from Sports Talk Legend down there in Norman, Oklahoma, Sports Talk 1400. And he has a podcast, Defense of the Big 12 and Chewing Clock, Tyler McComas. And then another one, the KSA Primer from our boy Tate Steinlag, or Laggy, Laggy. Fuck me, man. Uh, he does great work with the Kansas City Catbackers. That entire family are boneheads. Love them all. Uh, they recently had an event with Stan Weber, the Kansas City Catbackers, and all fall they're going to do stuff with personalities and former players. So check out kccatbackers.com and see what they're doing. So let's get over uh, and see what they have to say. Hello, I'm Tyler McComas. I'm a radio host and a podcast host in Norman, Oklahoma. You can catch me every weekday, 2 to 6 p.m. on Sports Talk 1400. My show is called The Rush with former Sooner Teddy Lehman. You can also catch my podcast in defense of the Big 12 on the Landry Football Podcast Network. We are live on Twitch every Monday and Thursday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time. and We specialize in everything Big 12 football. Oklahoma's 1-0 on the season after a convincing 48-0 win over Missouri State in week one. And boy, Oklahoma was really hit by COVID in that game. They had several starters out, several key pieces offensively and on the offensive line. That was the big major story of week one, along with the fact that before the season even started, OU had its three most productive running backs from last year not playing in the game. Why? Well, Kennedy Brooks, its leading rusher from 2019, opted out of the season. 
Trey Sermon, its second leading rusher, transferred to Ohio State. And then Ramondre Stevenson failed a drug test at the Peach Bowl last year. And under NCAA rules, that means a six-game suspension. He will not be back until after the Texas game this year. So in their place, true freshman running back Seth McGowan took the reins. He looks like a star in the making, along with Marcus Major, who's been on campus for a couple years as well. First time Oklahoma got a shutout since they beat Kansas State on the road way back in 2015. Along with Kennedy Brooks opting out, Jalen Redmond, just days before the season started, announced that he was going to opt out for the 2020 season as well. And that was very big news at the time because even though Oklahoma looks like it has some decent depth up front on its defensive line, Jalen Redmond was thought to be one of the best, if not the best player that you had up front. I thought that he was going to have a breakout season where he was consistent all the way from game one all the way through game 10. Uh, Really predicted a big season from him. He's shown flashes of greatness, but we were all just waiting for Jalen Redmond to put it all together. Obviously, that's not going to be the case because he's opted out this season. So Oklahoma has been looking for his replacement. They were able to do that in game one. But now the question is, now the conference play has arrived, can they consistently do that moving forward? For Oklahoma this year, interestingly enough, is the position group that struggled the most in week one. Now, offensively at OU, everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. Everybody wants to talk about the wide receivers and running backs. And without a doubt, the skill position players have been excellent since Lincoln Riley arrived in 2015. But the true foundation of this program has been the offensive line with Bill Biedenboe. They've been fantastic. They've got draft picks. They've got Great frontline starters. They've got great depth. They won the Joe Moore Award just two years ago for the best uh, offensive line in all of college football. And maybe this isn't the best offensive line that OU is going to have in its past five years, but it's certainly in the discussion. They've got a ton of depth up front, a ton of returning experience, and I think it's the best position group on this team, even though they did struggle in week one. They had a few starters out because of uh, COVID. They weren't able to go, but they should be close to full strength come this Saturday against Kansas State. And if we see the true version of what we all think this offensive line is going to be, you're going to see a pretty dominant performance. The biggest weakness for this team continues to probably be its, its secondary. Uh, linebackers, they continue to improve. Defensive line, they continue to improve, which if we're going to talk about a weakness for an OU team, we have to go with defense, right? Because it can't be offense. But still, they are a little small at corner and small at safety, which has been an issue in the past. They are definitely fast at those positions, but once they match up with six foot two, six foot three, six foot four wide receivers, which I realize not everybody in the conference has, but there are teams that do, there are size mismatches with one on one go balls down the seam. And that's caused OU problems in the past. So once again, I expect teams to try to get OU's corners in one on one coverage and and test them down the field. Skylar Thompson had a field day last year against this OU secondary. And if he's able to have a similar day than what he did last year in Manhattan, boy, I think the Cats are going to have the opportunity to have another big game down the field passing. A couple players to keep an eye on. I'm going to go with Austin Stogner on the offensive side 
who is a tight end. Now, the kid, and I know Kansas State in the past has had a guy with the last name of Gronkowski on their roster, but this guy actually looks like Rob Gronkowski in uniform. He's he's tall. He's he's big. Like th- th- this is a dude that is starting to earn the nickname of Baby Gronk around OU. Now, Austin Stogner hasn't had the level of play just yet to to warrant that, but in terms of the position he plays, in terms of the body type and just how big of a size mismatch he is, watch out for Austin Stogner, who should have had a touchdown last week, but unfortunately dropped one right in the end zone. He was my preseason pick to lead the team for OU in touchdown receptions, and I'm not giving up on that yet because he, he really is. Uh, a, a guy to watch and he'll be an easy guy to watch offensively because he's such a massive frame that you won't be able to to miss him on defense watch out for Nick Benito he is an outside linebacker and, and boy his career is really starting to take off he had a game clinching interception last year at Baylor when the Sooners were down 25 in that game and came all the way back and it just seems since Since he made that big interception on the road in Waco, his confidence is at an all-time high, and he looks like a different football player. Again, this linebacker core for OU has a chance to be as good as it's been in a long, long time, and Nick Benito is certainly one of the first names that you think of when you think of that linebacker core for OU this year. The most important key for OU in this game is to Take Kansas State out of its comfort zone. I I believe that Kansas State is going to try to pound OU early and often in this game. Kansas State's going to line up and say, all right, Oklahoma, let's see if you're physical enough to handle our offense. Let's see if you're physical enough to handle our running game. And obviously, Kansas State's offensive line didn't look like world beaters against Arkansas State. So Oklahoma's front seven has to answer the call. If they can take K-State out of its comfort zone and get Skylar Thompson in that offense in a third and nine, third and ten, even third and seven or predictable passing situations on third down, I think OU is going to have a lot of success, even though the weakness of this team is still probably at corner and still probably at safety. If you can get up on Kansas State a couple scores, and I know that Oklahoma did that last year and Kansas State was still able to win the game, but you've got to take K-State out of its comfort zone. You've got to make them try to win a track meet against this offense, and if Oklahoma is able to do that, put the pressure on Kansas State early, then I think this is exactly going to go the way that Oklahoma wants it to go. Score prediction for this game. You know, I I think the biggest key for OU, again, another big key is it's a young football team. They're feeling good about themselves after a 48-0 win. Everybody's telling them they're great. Everybody's telling Spencer Rattler, wow, he's next in line. With a bye week, do they believe that? Or do they come out as hungry as they did in week one? We'll see, but that's the true test of a football team if they're able to come out and take business against a team like Kansas State at home. I think that they will. I think that by the end of the year, Chris Kleiman's going to have a pretty good football team. It's just right now with this rebuilt offensive line, I think that they've got a lot of issues. I expect Oklahoma to come out, dominate early and often. Give me Oklahoma winning this game 42-10 over the K-State Wildcats in Norman with Spencer Rattler in the passing game having another big day.
What's going on, Boneheads? It's Tate Steinloggy, head of social media for the Kansas City Catbackers and previously K-State writer for the Associated Press, coming to you with this week's primer for the Cats matchup with number three, Oklahoma. If you have a solid memory, you might remember that I did the primer for last year's game against the Sooners, so Scott and Grant kind of picked me this time again um, as a means of some good juju, and now that's despite me having picked Oklahoma to win that contest by something like 30 points, saying that the Cats would need to play a perfect game and Oklahoma put forth a dud for them to even stand a chance, but um, we'll pretend that's not the case. Anyway, let's state the obvious. It's a weird year. We don't know who's going to be out, why they're out, and who may return until we see or don't see them on the sidelines during warmups. Even at the time of recording this, we're not even sure the game will be played this week if some media reports are to be believed. Now, if there is a contest, the Cats should return some much-needed help from skilled position players like Joshua Youngblood to defensive line talent Khalid Duke, though some surprise omissions will certainly happen as well. Either way, they're going to need all the help they can get after the roller coaster effort against Arkansas State ultimately ended in a disappointing loss to open up the year. Inconsistent across the board, K-State especially struggled to get any momentum running the ball between the tackles that happened all day long. On defense, defensive ends took themselves out of the play far too often, um, while the defensive tackles were pushed back and sealed throughout the eve- or throughout the afternoon, leaving linebackers hanging out to dry. Now, since the game was on national television, everyone across the country was especially aware of the secondary struggles dealing with Red Wolves' wideout Jonathan Adams Jr. At 6'3", 220 pounds, Adams picked on K-State's shorter secondary pretty much the entire go from start to finish, hauling in eight passes for 98 yards and three touchdowns, including the game winner. Thankfully, the Sooners largely lack those kinds of measurables at wide receiver. That unit is generally around the 6-foot mark, though Theo Weiss does come in at 6'3". He had two catches for 44 yards in Oklahoma's win over Missouri State, so he will be one to watch as it um, relates to that kind of height. Now, ball control could be K-State's biggest strength in this ballgame, and it's probably one that should be mentioned um, as the key point. However, um, just because the Sooners want to get up and down the field as quickly as possible, I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction, though. Um, And let's go with getting inside the head of first-year starter Spencer Rattler. The five-star prospect um, looks the part as a QB, throwing for 290 yards and four touchdowns on just 17 pass attempts, completing 14 of those. However, this will be Rattler's first real test. If K-State can get to him early, it could disrupt his rhythm and overall mojo. And those who watch Netflix QB1 like I have know Rattler has, or to be fair to him, maybe just had slight attitude issues in high school leading to mistakes um, on the field. So it will be something to watch. Now, the Cats' biggest weakness is simply continuity. Obviously, that's the case across the country with so many programs, but especially with this team, you know, starting an offensive line that's relatively new, so on and so forth. Um, It's sorely lacking right now as players sit out due to contract tracing and injury. Others return with just a few practices under their belt, which is why we didn't see some guys in the opening game, even if they were cleared to play. The offensive line particularly, again, as I mentioned, needs some more time to gel, and going against the number three team in the country this early certainly is not going to help that. Players to watch include transfer tight end Briley Moore, who has the potential to put together one of the best seasons for a K-State tight end in recent memory. Now, he looks to be Skylar Thompson's go-to outlet on crucial third downs, which could be used as a tool in that way or could also be used to kind of get other people open as they kind of blanket more. On defense, give me the entire defensive line. They will need to be better at D-tackle, even if just plugging space and not getting pushed back is kind of the goal. And Wyatt Hubert will need to play like an All-American by being in the backfield all afternoon, again, trying to get to Rattler um, and knock him off his game. Now, that said, in a bizarre year lacking rhythm and cohesion, there's an extra premium on talent. Talent's always been the case, blue chip. 
Um, recruits and players tend to perform well. Um, but this is just extra and more important. The staff is still building out the type of guys they want on both sides of the ball. It's an unfinished product, to say the least, both this year and what we should expect to see in seasons to come. That doesn't bode well against a Sooner side that always recruits very, very well and has plenty of talent across the board. And they're going to be a team hungry for revenge. Unfortunately, I don't see this one being pretty. I'm going to go with Oklahoma 42, K-State 17. But hey, maybe I'll be the pick of death once again for the Sooners. As always, this has been your K-State Primer. I'm Tate Steinloggy with the Kansas City Catbackers. Whether you live in the City of Fountains or not, please give us a follow on Twitter and Facebook, and do consider supporting our cause with a 12-month membership for $25. You can find all the information on our new look website at kccatbackers.com. Thanks, and go Cats! And we're back. Thank you to Tate and Tyler for those great, awesome primers. Uh, now it's time for us to kind of give our two cents into the game. First, let's just talk about what this game really means to the Cats. Um, the first and foremost thing is you're just taking a step forward from what was a horrible opener in this uh, to open the season. Uh, can you improve on that? Can you make this team look more viable? moving forward let's we're going to get into our predictions in a bit but let's just take a look at it I don't think either one of us are going to predict a win here but if they look competitive if the offensive line looks a little bit more you know together the defensive side of the ball looks like they have a bit more of a spine and bite to them are you going to walk away from this game uh, and we're an anti-moral victory podcast but are you going to be like okay well you know there's still eight games left in the season we've already played the best team in it I said to myself earlier I know we don't believe in moral victories but I think that there is a case to be made for this game um yeah I mean our 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 confidence as a program as a team probably isn't very high at the moment I mean coming off of the loss to a team you're predicted to beat um out of the Sun Belt um after you know a successful first season last year yes i think that there is something to be said about bouncing back a couple weeks later and uh you know competing with the best team in the conference and one of the best teams in the in the country um so that's the main thing that i'm going to be looking for is in this game is can we fulfill some of our identity um this this coming week can we make some strides forward um will we be able to see some tangible progress because if you know if we just try it out there and get absolutely blitzed in every facet of the game we're going to come out of norman feeling even worse than we did losing at home to arkansas state so um yeah no moral victories um but seeing some progress would be a step in the right direction how about that yeah no i agree with you the next thing uh you know, what this game will need, what what I'm looking uh, forward to it is, can you even get this game in? Again, we've heard the whispers of the COVID implications, and it's been focused on the K-State side of things, but let's not get it twisted. Oklahoma's been hit pretty hard, too, and they're only a test or two away from having to uh, call the game on their side as well. So, for me, it's a big, hey, let's get the game in, um, and I, I need to I don't know if he'll hit full rant status, but, you know, recurring guest uh, John Kurtz on his Twitter account had a poll 
he asked if K-State fans even wanted this game to get played. And it was getting close to 1,000 uh, responses, and it's like 56-44. And that just bugs me because at the end of the day, college football, in my opinion, is the greatest sport in the world. And you only get so many games a year, even in a regular year, to watch the Cats play. And I understand that you're going to be shorthanded and, you know, you probably are going to get blitzed, but I would, I, I don't want to see us have to cancel or reschedule the game at the end of the day, uh, just being able to get this game in, being able to get all scheduled games in means a lot uh, in this, you know, pandemic world of where you're trying to find normalcy when you're trying to find uh, comfort, when you're trying to find distractions. I want to see this game played, and I'm I'm very emotionally invested. I probably shouldn't be in this game happening, regardless of the outcome. Where do you fall on all of that? Well, first of all, I'm I'm not so sure that those are exactly scientific. Those polls, so I'm sure there's a handful of people in there that are just answering no to be funny. But um, I agree. Um, I think we need to take every game that we can. Um, so to be hoping that it doesn't get played, I think is kind of silly. Um, but I don't know. I, there's not really much else to add because we don't know what's going to happen. It's still pretty much up in the air. So who knows if we can get this game in. We'll find yep. out come Friday. Definitely. The next thing I'll be looking for, what this game means, can Skyler connect on some of the deep balls if given the chance? Um, that was the big gripe everyone had. I don't think there's anything Skyler could do in this game short of uh, winning the game to get haters off of his back. I mean, hell, even last year when he had three rushing touchdowns, uh, he had folks who were shitting on him uh, after they beat Oklahoma. So I don't think there's anything he can do, but just for the viability of competing in the next eight games, if you can see him connect on those deep balls, I think that would sure give me the warm fuzzies inside. It would be huge. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we want to see from our senior quarterback. He's got to be uh, putting the ball in the basket and making it – I want to see him make it easy for the wide receivers um, so that we can't come away from any of these games and saying, man, what if Skyler would have played better? I mean, I think we should have I – hope, I hope that going forward he can make the case that, you know, he is not a factor, We we that we can step away from games and say, look, we lost, but – it wasn't because of Skyler. I mean, he did everything he could. And um, that's kind of what I think a lot of people's gripes are. Is that, yes, he's a four-star guy. He's got the pedigree. He's been in the system for five years, and he should be making those plays. But um, let's see what he can do against Oklahoma. Yep, the next thing, uh, inexperienced offensive line. It's going to be a beaten-up safety group, probably with some true freshmen, redshirt freshmen. Uh, can they build on being thrown into the fire last week? Again, those are going to be the two spots on the field. I'm watching the most. It's the safeties on defense and the offensive line on offense. Um, do you have any sort of level of confidence that either one of them will make a step forward after being tossed on the bonfire in week one? Not really. Um, I mean, it's just going to – at this point, it's going to have to be – give me some proof in the pudding because, I mean, we've only seen one game and we didn't perform against a team that we should have beaten. So – I don't have a lot of confidence going to Norman against the Sooners and expecting them to just turn it around in two weeks, but we'll see. Prove it. 
I agree with you. And then the final thing is, can you catch lightning in the bottle twice? Um, we started this uh, kind of what it means type spot before the Oklahoma game last year, and we kept it around. And I think the genesis of what I tried to get at in that very first time is, hey, you play the games for the reason. Miracles happen for a reason. Big upsets happen for a reason. Why not this team? Why not this year? Uh, and then I turned around, picked us to lose by 30. But uh, – Did I pick us to win? No. I don't think so. No, you you definitely didn't. But anything can happen. And, again, we've had some improbable upset wins over the Sooners in the past. Um, Again, I'm not going to predict it, but you have to play the game for a reason. So, uh, you know, can we catch lightning in a bottle twice? I mean, probably not, but you play the game for a reason. We watch for a reason. Sports is the ultimate reality TV show for a reason. So. I think that's well said. And we can yep. move on to our keys to V. Yeah. Kick us off. Give us the uh, first key to V. Um, my first key to victory is if they're going to score, then make them earn it. Um, Oklahoma's being, you know, that quick strike, fast-paced offense. Um, if they are getting easy scores, then it's going to be a long day. Um, the only way for us to really have a chance um, in this game is to – kind of slow slow them down and and make them make their offense stay on the field for longer than they want to because we're not going to be able to keep pace in a, in a track meet style scoring high pace high scoring game we don't we just don't have that firepower so we're gonna have to make them earn every inch and I hope that we can all right my first one is going to be establish something that resembles a running game it doesn't have to be power it doesn't have to be inside zone I know that they want inside zone and uh power to be the bread and butter of this team but you need something whether it's outside zone whether it's option whether it's the quarterback whether it's the wide receivers uh whether you're you know having Blake Lynch running the ball I don't care how it happens find a way to get something that resembles a running attack my key to V number two is get to Spencer Radler um look he's going to be a star I mean, he may already be a star, but I think, you know, not only is getting to him and not getting, not giving him enough time in the pocket to pick apart our um, inexperienced and banged up secondary, but we might have a little window there to kind of get in this guy's head and rattle him, if you will. I mean, he's a freshman, freshman quarterback that's gone up only against um, who, who the hell? Missouri State. Missouri State at home. Um, I mean, we come in give him a couple shots early. Maybe he starts to think, well, maybe this college football thing isn't for me. And he, he gets off of his game. So um, we got to find ways to get to him and, and make his life hell to give our defense a chance. Yep. My final key to V is going to be B plus in the turnover turnover margin. Uh, it's when this game, we're going to need to find a way to get some extra possessions. Uh, so that definitely means you have to be plus and preferably with some margin in the turnover battle. So those are our keys to be come to our game review show on Monday to see how we grade those out uh, before we give our prediction. Uh, give a, We have to give another shout out to betonline.ag. Do not pay any attention to what it says on the outline it is betonline.ag so get over there for all your in-game props wagers straight up lines everything you want to bet on lebron james to win another uh, nba title do it want to bet on patrick Mahomes? do it want to bet on k-state 
Be careful. I don't want you to lose all your money, but you can do it over at betonline.ag, our exclusive online wagering partner. All right, let's get to it. Game line is 28 points. Grant, are you going to predict us to keep it within those 28? Give me a score. No. Um, I think it'll be Oklahoma 45, uh, K-State, I don't know, 10. I think we get um, I think we get blitzed here. And uh, I think their, their defense is going to be improved. They've got a lot of speed on defense. And I just don't see our line play giving us really much of a chance to move the ball. But uh, I, you know what? I, th- I think it's going to be kind of a repeat of two years ago at West Virginia when we were trading off uh, or when Skyler got pulled for like no reason, but we just had zero chance whatsoever and looked terrible. I don't feel good about it, Scott. Let's just say that. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic than you, but not that much. I'm saying 49-27. I think we do score some points. I think Blake Lynch goes two for two on field goals. Um, we move the ball. I'm going to say this, ready for this hot take prediction. I think mm-hmm. it is within a score at halftime. I think it's within a score at halftime. I think OU then kind of runs away a bit in the second half. Um, but I think there's going to be enough uh, things that we can conjure up as positives that we don't want to kill ourselves on Sunday when we record the review show. So that's our game prediction. Uh, folks, next season we will bring back the pick em, but this year with all the uncertainty with games getting canceled left and right, we're just going to give shout-outs to games that we are going to be watching. We're not going to necessarily pick anything. So, Grant, uh, we're both going to give two – Big 12 games and two national games uh, can be the same games, but what's the first Big 12 game you're going to be keying in on? Um, I kind of agree with both of your picks. Um, and let's I, just talk about first off, KU, KU Baylor. Baylor. I mean, we haven't seen Baylor yet, but also it's like I'm intrigued to see if KU just continues their poor form and continues the nosedive um, because they just were completely mer- – I mean, just – outmatched by a bottom Sunbelt team for the second year, second year in a row after like putting so much emphasis on that game. So I just wonder how they are going to fare coming off that loss. And and Baylor's just kind of a huge mystery. I mean, one, because we haven't seen them and two, because they got a new coach. So that's an intriguing game to me. Yeah. I think that game's going to, I think Baylor wins, but I think it's going to be close. I I do too. Baylor's going to basically – it's going to take them three quarters to figure it out. And I think I think it's going to be come from behind fashion too. I think KU's going to get their hearts ripped out. I think they're going to be leading for three quarters of that game and blow it in the fourth quarter. Um, so the next Love one – see it. Yes. Uh, this next one, and I, I wouldn't have put this on there except for the news that Max Duggan actually – sounded like he might not play this year, but he is back for TCU. Iowa State trying to come back from getting their dicks kicked in by a Sunbelt team of their own. TCU has yet to play. I would think that Iowa State gets some pride back, wins this by 10 or more, but I'm not rooting for it. I'm going all in. I'm rooting for TCU. I am too, and it's kind of a – it's a very similar game. I want to see if Iowa State will continue their nosedive, and TCU is a big, a big question mark, but they're always – they always have so much talent on that defense, so I don't think it's going to be – I could easily see TCU winning that game. I mean, fuck Iowa State. They suck. They're bad. They're fucking terrible. I hope so. I hope so. I hope you're right. All right, give me the first national game you're going to be looking for. I don't really know. Um I mean, both the games that you have listed are obviously 
two intriguing games. Um, I mean, I think Florida at Ole Miss could be good, especially if they wear those powder blues. Yeah, Lane Kiffin's just, first I might, game. I might have to turn that on just to see just to see those unis. But um, that's a good game. I that that was on my short list. I like that game. And then the other one's the Auburn game, Auburn Kentucky, a ranked matchup in the uh, SEC. You yeah, no. Them. I like both those games. I have Louisville-Pittsburgh, and here's my homework for you. If you haven't yet, go look up the uniform uniforms Pitt's wearing. Uh, you usually, I usually wouldn't endorse them going away from that, you know, mustard yellow and royal blue, but they're going with, like, this Steel City look with their Panther, right Panther alternate uh, logo, uh, embracing some of the architecture on their campus. Really like that. So Louisville versus Pittsburgh. And then – Army Cincinnati. Army has come out firing on all cylinders. Cincinnati, actually, if you go back to our, uh, you know, season prediction podcast before the Big Ten decided they wanted to play, I had them in the playoff. So um, I, I, I'm going to be trying to sneak away and watch some of that Army Cincinnati game. So that's my other national game. So that's all we have for this uh, preview pod. I'm not sure what we're going to do for. Uh, our Friday show, but stay tuned. We will have something for you on Friday. Um, but until then, you guys oh, just wow. stay safe. Those are fucking fire. Yeah, there you go. Those pit uniforms. Woo! Those are sexy. Yeah. I like them. God, they've just knocked out. They've knocked their uniforms Everything. out of the park the last three years. Every, ever since the rebrand, they've been the best uniforms in all of college sports. All sports. Um, so, yeah, that's all we got. We love you guys. Um, Tune in on Friday. We'll give you something, and uh, that's all I got. Yeah, I'd like to say uh, happy first day of fall to everybody. It's actually the second day when you hear this, but um, we are in autumn, the best time, best season of the year, so now we can all be happy every day and maybe a little sad a little bit sometimes during the day, but it's it's a good sad because it's fall and you tap into your emotions. But, uh, yeah, meet me at the Cathead. We're going to send you off with some new Fleet Foxes. I'll send you a link, Scott. Meet me at the cannon. Summer all over. Blame it on timing. Weekend in August water. No side in morning. Sunlight covered over. Waiting inside.
Sports Social Podcast Network.